One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to a special edition of the Football Writers Podcast, featuring me, Mike Calvin, Seb Stafford-Bloor from TIFO Football, and Jordan Jarrett-Bryan, the broadcaster. They think it's all over. It will be tonight if Manchester City drop points at Chelsea. Liverpool will be champions for the first time in the Premier League era. Can City make them wait? We'll look at that later, but first, let's concentrate on the champions-elect. They blew Crystal Palace away last night. This title doesn't really deserve an asterisk, does it, Sip? Oh, goodness, no, Mike. It's been one of the most relentless Premier League seasons I can remember. Not only in terms of just picking up points and brushing teams aside, but also the quality of the football throughout. That's probably what I would take away from from their win over Palace. It was very comprehensive. It was a very muscular performance. But goodness, the quality of those goals was exceptional. It just summed up what Liverpool are, actually. Some of the kind of the, the sort of the technical detail and the intricacy within them and the execution. It was the perfect emblem of what they've been all the way through the season. No asterisk for me whatsoever. Yeah, I, I suppose when you look at it, Jordan, 100 goals for the third consecutive season, it's a collective effort and it's just relentless, isn't it? That's what That's what really strikes me about it. It really is. I I was really impressed with how Liverpool responded to last season's disappointment. Okay, they they won the European Cup, but you could quite clearly see in in, in, on a lot a lot of the faces of the players and a lot of the things that Jurgen Klopp was talking about that they really thought that last year was going to be their year to win the Premier League title and to be reeled in as they were would have been gutting and to come again because I actually thought they'd go the other way. I thought Liverpool would, it would be so devastating what happened last year that struggled to recover from that. But to, to respond in the way that they have, they've been relentless, they've been ruthless, they've been efficient. I think it's a credit to not only Jurgen Klopp, but all the players that have been involved. And to come back after this pandemic, okay, the, the, the Merseyside derby was a bit of a stinker, granted, but that the 4 0 win yesterday was very much business as usual. The intensity was back, which I noticed actually across a lot of games yesterday. But Liverpool, I think more than any other, a team, even Pep's Manchester City, I think the biggest quality that they need is is intensity. I think when they're when they're really on it, they need to be on it. They 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 win their games. They don't have a they don't have a De Bruyne to to, to produce a bit of magic if they're not quite on it. So I thought yesterday we saw Liverpool what they're really about. You know, intense, strong, quick, pressing, and ruthless. Yeah, and and to do that in a sort of an emotional vacuum, I thought actually basically underlined just how collective that effort is but let's look at a few individuals within that I thought you know Trent Alexander-Arnold we were almost running out of superlatives for him the best thing we could say about him Seb is that he's the best right back in the world on current form 
Am I guilty of any hype on that, or do you think that's justified? I think you're guilty of just a touch of hype, because I also really like the future of Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I think his evolution, he's certainly the better defensive fullback. Let, let, let's narrow it down. Let's talk about the Premier League specifically. Aaron Wan-Bissaka is one of the best defensive fullbacks I've ever seen. Um, he's just absolutely brilliant. As a player with momentum behind him, with a dominant team, with a majority possession and with the ball at his feet, yeah, Trent Alexander-Arnold has no, has no peer. He is... I don't want to say that he's, he's redefining fullback play because, uh, well, Danny Alves wants a word. Um, <laughs> but I think what's really interesting about him is he's a, a more expressive fullback than we've seen in the Premier League. He's someone that really fits the mould of a playmaker more than anybody else. I mean, I think in the past, a lot of our fullbacks have been very traditional. They've been, over time, they've become a little bit more aggressive and a bit more offensive. We've moved a little bit more towards the kind of the the Carl Walker model. But Alexander-Arnold is, I don't think I've seen a a player who delivers with more consistency from out wide and open play than him from his position. He's one of the best crossing fullbacks I've ever seen. And he's a pleasure to watch as well. I, I, I'd really, I, I think it's kind of the emblem of what the position's become in the sense that like now we have fullbacks who exist as rock stars. In the kind of the old Gary Neville sense, they were kind of just pieces within the jigsaw. And now, like, I mean, if you think about the valuations of some of these players, that really reflects the position's growth. And Alexander Arnold, like, we've talked in the past, Mike, about what he could become elsewhere on the pitch. And I think that's really interesting in in that we, we now have players who are playing the position to an, a really high level, but are not necessarily specialists in the way that fullbacks used to be. They're kind of, they're almost utility players who are who have a function anywhere on the pitch. And it's, um, yeah, he's been absolutely brilliant. I, last night, that, that free kick is the, the, the perfect emblem of, of his technique, his ability, also his assurance. He just looks so, for someone his age, he just looks so comfortable occupying the space that he is at the moment. The scary thing about Alexander-Arnold is I'm not quite sure where, how much further he goes from here. It's like almost like he's peaking, if you like, too soon because he's so good. Yeah. In three, four years from now, is the bar going to be, okay, we expect 10 goals from him a season, 15, 20 assists a season? Right. Uh, do, do you know what I mean? It's like, how much further yeah. is there to go? And the reason why I like Aaron Wan-Bissaka and I would probably lean to more, more towards him is not only because I think he's the better defensive right back, I think his ceiling is higher. I think there's a lot more in the next decade that, that he can achieve. My only slight concern with Alexander-Arnold is how much more is there left? How much further is a right back can can he really go? The free kick was brilliant. One of the best free kicks I've seen this season as well. It wasn't quite in the top corner, but it was the, the technique and, and the assurance, as Seb says, of how he just, he almost knew I'm going to score this before he scored it. Yeah. And I, I love that about him. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I look at Trent Alexander. When actually, I go back to the first time I saw him play where it was at Wickham and uh, he was playing for the England under-19s. And he played in that more advanced, you know, sort of right wing back, almost right winger type role, which I think he'll probably evolve into. And if you look last night, there was a cameo at the end with, with Neko Williams who came on and was desperate to get a goal. And he looks... Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you, you're talking about almost uh, an understudy to, you know, someone who's barely out of his teens. But, uh, you know, I, I think he would evolve as a player and he will probably be a more offensive player. I just w- want to actually pick up, Jordan, on, you know, we've talked about the player. What impresses me about Trent is the person. 
in terms of, you know, Liverpool has always been a club that's wedded to its community. There's a huge emotional bond between the club and its community. And he's taken that on, hasn't he, in terms of, you know, understanding what is going on in an economically challenged environment. His sort of commitment to the community isn't just some sort of, you know, superficial PR ploy. It's actually real. He he means it. He means it, and and I think he enjoys being that that guy from the city that actually, first of all, understands the social position that that city has been in, but also someone that actually is a beacon of hope. There'll be so many young boys and girls in in and around Merseyside that will look at him and identify with him. He speaks very well and has done over the last few years about issues of child poverty. I've heard him speak about racism and just opportunities for young people in other industries beyond beyond football. And I think he's a credit to his family. And I think it's also an example of what happens when you trust young men. We're seeing it with Sterling and Rashford as well. You trust young men to actually let their conscience drive their message. These, these are young men that I think are really being allowed by their managers, by their families, by their social circles to be on a platform whereby, no, 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 you don't have to be 30, 40, 50 to be able to speak about issues that are very serious and, and, and are very socially sensitive, if you like. These are guys that have been allowed to, to, to talk about what they know and what, and what they feel, be it racism, be it from a city where there's poverty and actually do it with, you know, in an eloquent way, in an eloquent way that's also very authentic. And I think he in, in embodies all of that in in a footballer of the modern age yeah like if it will we'll obviously dwell you know far more deeply on liverpool you know once the title is in the bag there's part of me that thinks it would actually almost be more appropriate if they won the title at city next thursday just for just for the sim symbolic nature of it all do you think that will that prospect will be kept alive by manchester city tonight seb Yes, I think they'll they'll have too much for Chelsea. City are interesting because City came back from the lockdown with no real Premier League objective to speak of. They are essentially their season is on ice until um until the Champions League resumes. And yet they've been amongst the most impressive. And I just wonder whether there's um there's a little bit of Juan Malilo's effect in that. You know, coming in with a few new ideas, he's someone that will, you know, because of his relationship with Guardiola, he's someone who will happily challenge the way he thinks someone who who approaches the game from not necessarily a materialistic vantage point. He's never been materially successful. He's never had a tangible reward for all his, his influence. And City look very, very fresh. And there's there's new sort of intricate details within the formation. The use of Phil Foden in a slightly more attacking position fascinates me. And I think they're operating at a higher level than Chelsea at the moment. Chelsea... Again, I mean, I know Chelsea came back to win the game against Villa and there was a little bit of a show of strength within that. It worried me that Villa were in that game because I don't think Villa are a very good side. I mean, if you can't if you can't beat a Newcastle team who think they're safe and are awaiting a takeover, you've got some issues. City almost look as intimidating as they used to be. If you, they, they look like what they were 18 months ago at the moment. And I think they'll go to Stamford Bridge and win. And I, I, I agree. I, I want to see... I mean, it, it, this would apply to any Premier League season in history. I want to see champions crowned when the players are on the pitch. I don't like the kind of, oh, the manager's on the golf course, the players around the centre-forward's house having a bit of a party. <laughs> like, that's not the way it should end. That, that's not, that, I mean, no, no sporting fairy tale ends like that, does it? With, you know, someone getting a call from their uncle or something to say, oh, by the way, you know, Leeds have lost, so you're champions. That's, that's, yeah. not, that's not right. <laughs> Chelsea did the job for Leicester, though, didn't they? 
Don't talk about that, though. I mean, I, I, to be honest, I mean, you've still got your video on in this call, Mike, so I can see you smirking as you say that. But um, I have no recollection of anything to do with that season whatsoever. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, Jordan, you know, when you look at City and, and you know, Seb mentioned Phil Foden there, you know, f- football and sport, you know, it's obviously a cyclical business. And as one great player just sort of gently exits stage left, and I'm thinking of David Silver there, one of the great Premier League players, you've got the new kid in town coming in stage right, which is Phil Foden. You know, he's had to wait and he's needed patience and maybe other players wouldn't have had that patience. Is he finally getting the chance he deserves, but also is he seizing the chance, which is the key, isn't it, obviously? Totally. I think that Pep Guardiola is playing the blinder with Phil Foden. I has had a lot of criticism over the last year, Pep Guardiola, regarding the 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 lack, if you like, of games that he's given Phil Foden, especially in cups, some of the cups where Pep's gone quite hard with his first team to try and go all out and win those games. I had a theory about a year ago that I think Pep was testing Phil Foden and almost saying to him, look, I'm not going to play you in some of the games when arguably I probably could and should. How are you going to react? Are you going to sulk? Are you going to make up noise and goes to and goes to papers and goes to press and talk about the fact that you should be getting games and you're not getting games? Or are you going to bite your tongue and go back into the training field and try and prove me wrong? And continuously, even when you are not getting the games you maybe think you should be getting, train hard and do the right things. I think this has been very much a mental test from Pep Guardiola that he's laid down to, to Phil Phone to say, you know what, I want to see how you react. I want to see if you, if you do sulk or if you get your head down and if you um and if you really kick on with the development that I think we could we all know that you can you can you can do and I think that Phil Foden has seized that opportunity. I don't think he's sulked. He's not complained. He's grabbed his chance whenever he's got it. And I think that now he has earned the right to fill that David Silva shaped hole in this in the team next season. On the club itself, I slight I'm not so sure I'm so confident the city do win against Chelsea, not because I rate Chelsea that highly, but I think I'm conflicted with what Pep's going to do. I'm really fascinated in regards to whether he goes with a full-strength team because Pep wants to win every single game. He won't want to give Liverpool the title. He'll want to make them yes. earn it and make, yeah. them, and make them work for it. So he'll want to beat Chelsea and make them do it the hard way, if you like. But also, the Champions League is coming up and he's got Aguero obviously injured. So does he think to himself, well, the league's gone. I need to try and win this Champions League because I've been brought here to win the Champions League. Mm. I want to try and win the other cups. Do I just, you know, maybe put out, save a De Bruyne, save a Fernandinho, even save Gabriel Jesus for those cups and sacrifice this game, you know, in preparation for those cup games. So I'm not so sure City do win this game for the fact that I've I've got a niggling feeling that Pep might drop a few of his senior players for, for inverted commas, more important games. Mm, that would be an interesting one because the reaction will be, what are you doing if he does that? With Chelsea, Seb, you know, we've talked in the past about the feel-good factor around the club. Willian and Pedro have actually signed short-term agreements, which obviously is another element of positivity. Will Frank Lampard look at this? And obviously he will know that the football world will be watching is this almost his best or biggest audition as you know a proper top four, top six manager? I don't know, Mike. I think it's a bit of a free hit because if Chelsea were to lose this game, 
then Lampard can point to the transfer activity which is going on in the background and say, well, you know, judge me next season because I've got ZH coming in, I've got Werner coming in. You know, that's uh, that's nearly £90 million worth of player. And also, I think one of the things that's benefited him throughout the year is being this kind of Chelsea's identity as the young, learning, naive team full of players from the academy. It's not quite true. I mean, there are a lot of young players in that side, but there's also a lot of veteran players there and a lot of players that sort of you would you would count on for sort of a, a high standard of Premier League performance. But I think it's been, the, the consequence regardless has been to sort of depressurize his, his first season at the club because whenever there's been a hiccup, and all, let's remember prior to Christmas in the early part of New Year, Chelsea had that terrible habit of dropping points at Stamford Bridge to, you know, not very good sides who defended in one way and beat Chelsea in one way. And the conversation when those results happened was always first directed at, right, what's going on with the club's transfer activity? Why, I mean, the, the obviously the, the issue with the, the transfer ban and also kind of the legacy of um, uh, the, 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 the squad legacy they inherited from what's, let, let's be honest, was, you know, a fairly mismanaged transfer strategy. So this is kind of a, I don't think, should they lose? I don't think even if they were to lose 3-0 on their own pitch, I don't think anyone's going to point any fingers at Lampard as they didn't when they got turned over by Bayern Munich. I mean, I, I know it's a strange thing, but Chelsea, Chelsea are technically still in the Champions League until that game takes place. And it's very interesting that he can be so comprehensively beaten on his own pitch and yet there's no question whatsoever of his acumen or um, his suitability to the role. So I, I think it's it's been about as favourable as a con- uh, a conditions as you could possibly want if you were Frank Lampard. And I think that will continue. I um, it's it's a it's a pretty laboured point to to criticise someone for losing to Manchester City, a Manchester City side being managed by Pep Guardiola, if you were in your first Premier League season. And I think Lampard has been a, a huge beneficiary of that all the way through the year. Mm. Okay, well, to wrap things up, it's tin helmet time. Your predictions, please, gents. Let's put you on the block first, Jordan. Uh, you've said that Chelsea could do something. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm going to go for a 1-1. I, I, I think I, I do lean more towards the school of thought that Pep will drop the likes of a David Silva, maybe a De Bruyne, and I think he'll risk Gabriel Jesus as well because I don't think he'll want to you know, risk anything happening to him. So I'm, I'm going to go for a one or draw. Seb? I'll go three one Mike City. I really like I'll be specific. I really like Raheem Sterling against Cesar Azpilicueta. I think on the other side, if De Bruyne does play and he plays from that sort of right sided central position, Chelsea got huge problems at left fullback. And that is where in you know, those are the areas where they make their cuts into the penalty box and where they, they create space behind the, the defensive line. I think City have all kinds of joy in those areas. Yeah, I you know, I've, this is probably more from hope than expectation. I think it will be 2-2 simply because I can't see Chelsea in that, that defense is is such a an obvious drawback. I can't see them keeping any sort of clean sheet. But whatever, it'll be a good night I would hope. Thanks to everyone for joining us here on the Football Writers podcast and enjoy the game. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.